0: Let you think about that for a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Huh? What would you think? Yeah, yeah. So that it's on. Um, it's a YouTube video, "The Power of Vulnerability" by Brené Brown. It was originally a TED talk. TED talk. Uh, It has over a million hits on it. It's viral, as as they say in the in the internet world. And um, we're going to talk about a little bit more. Just kind of, I know a lot of you haven't seen it before, so we're going to kind of help you process a little bit and talk about a few of the points she made, and also how that relates to being sons and daughters, being the bride, as well. They all relate. (laughs) But first uh I'm going to be vulnerable and tell you that I forgot to do the announcements and
1: <laughs> you're all surprised. So a really quick commercial break here and then we'll go right back to them. 30 seconds here just to say next week is Isaiah Saldivar who is a young fiery preacher uh, who is who leading a, a revival that's going on in Tracy. It's, it's going to be a crazy night, uh, an amazing night. He's a, uh, an evangelist too, so bring people. Bring people who need to be saved, healed, all the rest. That's next Saturday, 6 o'clock here, and then at 5 o'clock, so an hour before, uh, we're actually going to have the first of uh, a, fundraiser, so a series of fundraisers that's going to happen about every other week. Um, and it's going to be over in the Fellowship Hall next door. They're, they're going to have desserts ahead of time. And so um, and the, the, the fundraiser is actually helping students who are part of our school go on a mission trip to the city in July. So they're just raising money for people that don't have the money to do that. So that's next Saturday, 5 o'clock, over in the Fellowship Hall for dessert. And then come over here at 6 for Isaiah Saldivar. Thank you, Brent. Thanks for being so understanding with my mistake also.
0: <laughs> and you know that's actually a lot about this this house this church this family is is we 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 soak in the truth of our of the father's love don't we And a lot of the meaning of that is that he has made us enough through Jesus we are enough right And so this is this is another way um of uh, of just kind of seeing seeing how important that is, that we're enough. So why don't we just start out saying, "I am enough because of Jesus." <laughs> yeah, just want to kind of kind of just hit a couple of the highlights again, and then we're going to talk, like I said, about how this relates more directly to our walk. So what what was the thing that. Uh, that Brittany was wanting to research because it's how we're wired. It's, it's why we're here. What was that? Connection. Gee, that sounds an awful lot about relationship and love, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's interesting that that's true in the social research, that when when you're talking about social justice, mental health, abuse, neglect, it's all the, the, the crux of it is all about connection and disconnection, isn't it? And what was the thing that causes disconnection, shame, which is easily understood as the fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people knew, knew it, know it, or see it, that I wouldn't be worthy of connection? But the capacity for shame isn't a bad thing. Do you, do you guys remember why? If you don't have a capacity for shame, then, uh, then you don't have a capacity for connection, because you you aren't aware when a disconnection is starting to happen. So a lot of these things, you know, fear, shame, other things, there's actually important reasons why we have them. It's just it turns out that they're taking over our lives rather than just having the proper place of giving us hints when, when we're starting to do things that are causing a disconnection. Does that make sense? Yeah, so God created us with the capacity for these things, but he didn't want them to take over our lives. The enemy wants them to take over our lives, doesn't he? <clears throat> By the way, um, Brenny, uh, in another video, another uh, explained that she was actually attacked after the video for, for being too fat. People were start, starting to shame her. Well, I, I would talk about this if I, if I was as fat as you are, they were saying to her. Can you believe that? <clears throat> so uh, she was being vulnerable, wasn't she? She was modeling it, wasn't she, before us. Um, let's see. So, wholehearted people live from a sense of worthiness. The basic difference between the people who um, who, who believe they're worthy and the people who don't is that the people who <laughs> who believe they're worthy believe they're worthy, <laughs> and that's and that's again part of why it's so wonderful that Jesus came because we have really good solid evidence that we're worthy. That God himself would come, come as a man, to live as a man, live vulnerably as a man, and die for our mistakes because he makes us worthy. Um, <clears throat> do you guys remember her definition of courage? It was really cool. It was about to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. I want that kind of courage. <laughs> I want the, all the other kinds as well. And the other thing, besides believing they're worthy, was that they embraced vulnerability. Not excruciating vulnerability, but the vulnerability of extending themselves, right? Saying I love you first. Uh, reaching out. Uh, doing, doing, taking, taking things that kind of put you out there where someone could cut you off, cut you down if they wanted to. But it turns out that that is necessary for living wholehearted and experiencing the fullness of life. If we don't risk, nothing much good happens, does it? If we don't risk our heart. Let's see, just kind of flipping through here. So what happens when we get scared of vulnerability? What do we do? We numb did anyone resonate with that? Yeah, I do. <laughs> lots of different ways to um for some folks it's uh, it's retail therapy, right? <laughs> <laughs> TV is another one. Yeah, I do I do TV sometimes or or the internet. Um, lots lots of different ways. There's uh, there's drugs, there's alcohol choc ooh choc no no we can't include that that's <laughs> that's sacred ground there <laughs> dark dark chocolate's yeah nothing wrong with dark chocolate <laughs> but it, it turns out if we try to numb the painful things what do we also end up numbing everything we we numb joy don't we we numb, we numb a bunch of things that we really want to experience. Hmm, let's see where is it is. We numb joy, we numb gratitude, we numb happiness, and then we're miserable. We look for purpose and meaning and we feel vulnerable and we start the cycle again, as she talked about. <clears throat> Another thing we do is we try to make things that are not certain, certain, don't we? Yeah. You know, I'm right, you're wrong. That's the, end of the, that's the end of the things. Have you ever been on the receiving end of someone who was like that? Yeah. turned out probably they're just feeling really vulnerable, and they're, they're, or they're compensating that way. So maybe it'll give us more, more grace for them next time. We pretend that we don't have an effect on people. That's, again, trying to avoid feeling vulnerable, isn't it? But we do, don't we? We all do. And that's why it's important to, um, to say I'm sorry <laughs> when we mess up, isn't it? That's part of making – it's part of caring for the connection as opposed to just, you know, never addressing the things that cause disconnection with other people. Hmm. There's, there's more, but I think, I think that's, that's good. Uh, believing that, I'll just end again with the, uh, the importance of believing I'm enough. Uh, Susan, Susan's been reading a book by, uh, by Brené Brown, and she says parents are really, really not happy with her when she tells them that they have to love themselves in order to love their children. They think it's okay to hate themselves, and but they're still doing a great job as a parent. Guess what? Doesn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> that 's a tip that 's a tip for you uh, parents out there uh, <laughs> it 's important that we really are kind to ourselves, not kind of this theoretical love, but that we have empathy and kindness for ourselves so we can and we can have it for others, and we have it for ourselves because he loves us first, right We get it from him first that lets us know that that 's what he wants for us so Susan and I are going to talk a bit more about. How this relates to our walk with Jesus.
2: Come up, come up, here. Come up higher. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, when we first saw this, thank you. First saw this YouTube, I just, because of all the inner healing work I've done with many of you all out there, I'm going, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is all common to all of us. How many times in the middle of a sozo have I heard someone say, I'm not enough? I'm something, you know, something about me is not enough. That is so common to all of us. But the beautiful thing is, and and, and I know some of these things you might be going, but what has that got to do with the scripture? But the truth is, what makes us perfect is our connection with Him. Our connection with Him makes us perfect. We sometimes hear those that scripture and think, doesn't that mean everything we do is perfect? No. It doesn't have anything to do with what we do. It's what he did. Right? We sometimes get that mixed up. We start thinking because this is how the world thinks. The world thinks about performance is what makes you perfect. Right? Yeah. Only one had to perform. Only one performed on the cross. And then he broke the power of performance on us forevermore. It's our connection with him that is makes us perfect. Okay. Because that that thing is on us um, that we you know that it's not okay to make a mistake that it's you know we get we get this thing mixed up that what we do if we ever make a mistake if we ever do anything wrong makes us bad and that is so not the truth it is human to err it is human to be imperfect but we are perfect in Him our connection with Him makes us so perfect it's not what we do it's who we are that that perfection thing is all about so I just wanted to kind of you know bring some clarity to that because I think we've gotten that a little bit confused because we all know every day of our lives we we mess up we miss something we don't connect but every day of our lives he is connecting with us he never stops connecting with us so um, that's what we just keep resting in and looking back to and get our comfort from and our confidence that I'm always okay with him. Even on my worst of days, I'm okay with him. Because he is looking at what he did for me. Because he knows I can't do it. We've all fallen short of the glory. He did it all. Does that make sense? That's that's where the parallel is when we look at the scriptures. One other scripture I want to make mention of that I think relates is that, um, and I've actually heard it um, sort of miss understood and misinterpreted and that's the scripture from the uh, it's repeated through the Old Testament as well as the New Testament to love the Lord your God with all your heart mind and strength because she was talking about being wholehearted and I've heard people preach that oh no that's that's behind that's before the cross we don't have to worry about that anymore and I think we've had a misunderstanding this whole theme about being wholehearted means to love with your whole heart it's not mean we have to try hard to love God. It does not mean we have to keep bringing the the sacrifice to you know the temple. It doesn't mean we got to pray ten times a day. we don't have, It's not about trying to love God. it's simply opening up and being. how about being vulnerable before God? Amen. That's what we're talking about here. letting him see who we really are that's what that. Scripture is really all about. It's not about trying hard. It's about letting Him simply know us. Yeah. Just he—that's what He wants. Just let me know you, (laughs) because it's what He wants. That's what He's hungry for in us. Do you have anything you want to share?
0: That's good, Susan. So I want to talk about um, the tenderness of Jesus. how how he comes to us knowing our vulnerability. In uh, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, which is quoted in Matthew 12, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out or raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed he shall not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail or be discouraged till he establishes justice in the earth. And the coastland shall wait for his law. And notice it says, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoking flax he will not quench. It means that he's coming. he came tenderly, for those who have been hurt and crushed, those who feel very vulnerable, he was—he didn't. The first time he came, he didn't come running over over things. He was very gentle, and he still is. Isn't that encouraging? David was a mighty warrior and a great leader, yet he also made himself authentic and vulnerable in his relationship with Yahweh. You read the Psalms. How much of that is he, he's being real, real honest, real vulnerable? He said he's praising God, he's thanking God, he's saying, "Oh, by the way, they're trying to kill me. Help! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm sinking into a, a a clay pit, and I'm going, I'm going down. Lord, help, help!" He he was very vulnerable and real about his struggles, wasn't he? And um, oh, Susan and I got a chance to go with Paul Manwaring and Leif Hetland on a, a Tour of the United Kingdom last summer, and Paul Manwaring kept talking about how important it was to be authentic and vulnerable. We went, oh man, we love this stuff. <laughs> Remember that, Susan? <laughs> um, it's it's part of it's part of be, part of being able to connect with others, isn't it? And I think that's one of the places where the church in general hasn't well represented Jesus is when, when we when we haven't when we've kind of put on the face of what we thought we were supposed to look like and, and said what we thought we were supposed to say out of a heart that really wasn't there to try and um, you know, uh, be something we're not to people. And they, they see through that, don't they? Yeah. Am I making sense? Um, another passage that really struck me, Isaiah 57, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. So... High, lofty, inhabiting eternity, whose name is holy. Sounds pretty far away from us, doesn't it? (laughs) I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. In this passage, God is saying he desires to dwell with us when we are being honest and present with our true heart condition. The Most High says that he dwells with those who are vulnerable and open to him. Um, I just want to talk about that a little more. It's so important to me. This is so, so important to me. Uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 3, which quotes from Psalm 95, talks about not hardening our hearts. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. The sheep of his hand; he's our good shepherd, huh? Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your heart, as at Meribah in the day of Massa in the wilderness. So, there's a tie between hearing his voice and not hardening our hearts, isn't there? Again, it's about not about whether we're being hard-hearted or whether we're being vulnerable and open. You see that, and. Um, Our temptation since the fall has been to try to game the system, game the system. Tell me what the rules are, and i 'll do that. You know what i mean i'll, I'll, I'll do i 'll follow the rules, but i don 't want to actually have a relationship and be vulnerable to somebody that 's our temptation isn 't it? How many Hail Marys do I need to say you know how, how many how many how many right things do I need to do i 'll do all the things but so much we're tempted to kind of come up with a way to, to um, take care of the God thing without really having a vulnerable, open relationship with him. But that's exactly what he wants.
2: Hmm.
0: One, last, one last thing from Scripture. Jesus said frequently something like this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it for a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? We've heard that one before, and I believe that, yes, it has to do with being willing to, uh, to stand for Jesus and to die for Jesus if necessary, physically. Physically. But so much of it is also about whether, um, whether we're going to stop just being self-protective emotionally and open our, our hearts to him. Does that make sense? Saving our, saving our life in our, in our uh, fleshly state is about putting up the walls and making sure that we're not vulnerable to him versus losing our life means, okay, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with my vulnerability. I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm not going to spend all my time trying to look for the threats and and put up the walls and protect myself that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you read that verse next time, I encourage you to think of both meanings because um, that's really what he's after, I believe. Back to Susan and frequently asked questions.
1: I
2: don't know where we're at. Um, Actually, I'm just going to share a little short story from my own life. Um, Because for each of us, this is going to look a little different. So I was raised in a family that didn't do emotion, didn't do affection, didn't do affirmation. So, um, in fact, I... Anyway, I had a dream maybe 15 years ago, and in the dream, my mom was like in, in the ICU, laying on a bed, hooked up to the cardiac monitor, and I'm seeing the heart, you know, the EKG doing its, its thing. And then I knew, I knew in my spirit, I thought I need to tell her I love her before she dies. And in my dream, she died and I went, I didn't have a chance to say I love you. So that convicted me actually, because I was, you know, I didn't. Couldn't remember my mom or dad ever saying, "I love you," you know, get love on the birthday card, but not, and "I love you." So, as Brené Brown would say, I drew deep on my courage, and they lived in San Diego, so I would when I would started talking to them on the phone, at the end of the conversation, I went, ah, "I love you," to both my mom and my dad, And I started doing that every time I talked to them on the phone. And I think maybe it was my dad who did it first. Maybe five or six conversations later, he jumped in there and he said, I love you first. And I will tell you, what that did for my heart was amazing. Now, that may not be much for some of you. Again, we all come from different families where we had different amounts of allowing our hearts to be shared. And maybe one parent did it more than others. But then shortly after that, then my mom started doing it. To. And Now, she'll say, I love you, before I get a chance to sometimes. so But it was scary. I mean, sometimes these things can be scary because, like she was saying, Brene was saying, there's no guarantees. Love, it, we talk about faith being risky. Uh, love is risky, too, because it means we're reaching out with our heart because, because it's the right thing to do. Not because we're going to get something necessarily back, but because it is the right thing to do. The beautiful thing we know is even if a person rejects us, we will never be rejected by our Lord. So if that ever happens to you and you're going, oh, dang, I don't want to do that again. Oops, oops. You did it. You ripped your heart out, Jesus. And you were rejected by a whole bunch. So in you, you will never turn away. That's what it means when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I never will turn away from you. I will never Never, never stop loving you. So we can absolutely guarantee that any time we need something in our heart, we need love returned to us. He will be there to give it right back in fullness of what we need.
0: Hmm. So, we imagined we were sitting in your seat, and we imagined what questions you might ask. <laughs> so, tell us how we're doing, okay? <laughs> um, question number one: Does this mean I'm supposed to live without boundaries or protective walls with everybody? Was Was anyone wondering that? <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> I'm I'm thinking some of you did. Um, it's fairly natural, isn't it? Uh, We were speaking about this topic topic with uh, leaders of another church, and one young man said, I've been trying to live without any walls. And um, it it looked like it wasn't working very well for him. So the answer is um, no. (laughs) No. Uh, We... When God came to Abraham, he said, I will be your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Didn't he? There's a whole book of Nehemiah about uh, rebuilding walls that were necessary for, for the people to live in peace and in security. So not all walls are bad. But our problem is, is that we tend to make rules and live by them instead of instead of being in communion with 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 God's Spirit to know what to let in and what what to what what to keep out, right? Does that make sense? So no, you don't. We're not asking you to have no walls. Let's see if I have it in here. Um, There's a proverb, proverb twenty five twenty eight. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So if our spirit's functioning correctly with the Holy Spirit, we're going to have some healthy boundaries. So is any breathe a sigh of relief? <sighs> <laughs> and Jesus talked about this too. He said, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. If people... Don't have any. If you know someone has no value for you or your vulnerability, um, then you don't. You don't need to think of them as swine or dogs. But, uh, <laughs> 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 but, but, but just realize that if, have, if they have no value for your heart, for you, then you're not going to share really precious, vulnerable things with them, and, and it's not wise to do so. Does that make sense? Yeah, reassuring. <laughs> Leif, uh, when he was here we love Leif he, he, he talked about this cycle where if we understand something we value it right and if we value something then we're going to steward it we're going to take care of it and, and if we steward something just the way things happen so that means there's going to be a multiplication and, and the result of that taking care of what, what we valued from the kingdom in the kingdom is that there's going to be more authority given, and then we're going to go through the cycle again of understanding what God's heart is and valuing it, and stewarding it, and going around again. So you get to pay attention to uh, to uh, to what the value is that other people have for your heart. It does not mean sometimes we don't end up over you know stretching and and risking right. Sometimes God says, "I want you to risk here." When I uh, when I started pursuing Susan, that was a big risk. <laughs> she, she, stom- she she done stomped on my heart a few times along the way. <laughs> but but it was worth it to me. It was so, so it, sometimes the the object of love, you know the, the the passion, the the yearning, the what God puts in you. It's worth the risk definitely was worth the risk in this case. And there's one other scripture that really uh, arrested me in John chapter 2. This is is early in Jesus' ministry. It says, verse 23 and 25, While he was in Jerusalem at Passover time during the festivities, many believed in him, many believed in Jesus, as they saw the signs that he gave. But Jesus, on his side, did not trust himself to them, for he knew them all. He did not need anyone to tell him what people were like. He understood human nature. That's from the J.B. Phillips translation. So Jesus was wise. Ultimately, he became very vulnerable. He became excruciatingly vulnerable so that we can have a life-giving vulnerability instead. But he didn't, he didn't um, offer that too soon or too early. It was at the right time when, when it was ordained by his father. Yeah, let's see. Another question. Where is the question? are up here. Um, okay. Put another way. Here's another question we thought you might ask. Put another way. Am I supposed to be a codependent doormat? <laughs> Everyone say, no. <laughs> Good news. Um, we kind of covered that before, but just, um, just put it another way. And I'll let Susan talk about the last, last section.
2: So um, just what is, what, is this goal? what is the goal here? The goal is to grow in relationship with God, with yourself, and one another. Um, we can't really um, have a very meaningful relationship with other people if we don't learn to navigate our own heart. And we need God's help to learn to navigate our own heart, which is what happened with Brené, didn't it? (laughs) Why she had her meltdown was because she was going, ah, there's some things in there I don't want to have to look at. But the beautiful thing, of course, she didn't talk about her life relationship with God, but the beautiful thing with God is he loves us first. And there's no place he's going to ask you to go that he doesn't go first. I will tell you from all the work I've done in inner healing, virtually every wounding any of us have boils down to we were alone to try and figure something out when it happened to us. We were alone. It's that simple. So you have something hard happen to you and somebody's with you, it really isn't nearly as devastating as when you're alone. But the wonderful thing is God goes back and says, but I'm going to be with you now. Let's, let's do a redo. <laughs> we get to do redos of everything that's ever gone on in your life. You get a redo, and God will go with you into that place, and he will make it new, and he will redeem it, and he will bring the truth, and he will bring life out of it. That is the beautiful thing about God, because everything of the kingdom has to do with the heart and has to do with the relationship. Our God adores us, loves us, and wants to be with us every moment of our life in all that we do. So that's the whole point of this talk tonight. Number one, <laughs> he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to have a relationship with ourselves. And out of that, we get to have wonderful, meaningful relationships with one another. And it's OK to say, I don't know how to do this. Dang, a lot of we don't know how to do this. No, we don't. He does. He'll teach us. He'll show us. None of us know how to love in our own strength. We can't. We have no capacity to do that in and of ourselves. He does. God is love. It's his love that allows us to do any of this stuff. When we're weak, he's strong. We are. We're weak in and of ourselves. But in him, in him, (laughs) in him, out of your bellies will flow the river of life. Him, he flows through you. So we get to be In this amazing journey to learn utter dependence on him. Utter leaning upon the one who loves us. And that is the place that we are learning to live our lives out of. And it's going to be good. And it's going to be fulfilling. And we are going to learn to live out of whole hearts. So I want to um, just share a little story, actually, from yesterday. This is just yesterday. Yesterday. God isn't that like God to kind of give you a story, a fresh story to share? So I love going um, jogging. We live near Lake Chabot. I like to go jogging there. Um, so yesterday I was just on my little jog, and um, I, was, I was I was kind of running down the uh, the trail. I went past a young mom and her son, and he was maybe three years old. He was a little guy. Just a little guy. And they were holding hands. And as I ran past, I guess the little guy tripped or something. And and she turned to him. I'm just kind of running by, just kind of out of the corner of my eye. She, she turns to him and says, oh, are you okay? And he's like, yeah. And then she said to him, why'd you trip? And my heart went, oh. Because, of course, I've been processing this whole shame thing. Now, this was a very, I think, seemed to be a very loving, caring mom. She wasn't thinking about what she was doing. She was but i could just see his heart cuz he's going i don't know i don't know why i tripped you could just see this little 3-year-old was f- working so hard to figure out why did i trip oh no i'm not enough oh no i got to come up with an answer and i could kind of see mom was like well i want to i want to i want to protect you and take care of you and i want to make sure we never do this again right she was going to control and predict that's where her mind was not being mean not being cruel just Knee jerk. I'm sure that's probably how her mom or her dad was with her. So in that little moment, I'm like, Jesus, what can I say in this moment? And it just dropped into, because I've been doing so much processing about this whole shame thing, and probably because watching Brene so much, I've become actually in touch with my own shame inside of me, that I probably, I had not known I'd really had that before, in all honesty. But it's been good. It's been good processing that with Jesus. So I kind of ran ahead a little bit and looked down and kind of stooped down. And I looked right at him and I said, I do that all the time, just like that. (laughs) And this big smile came on his face because he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone in that moment. Now we all have those kind of things in our lives where we felt so alone and so disconnected and so unworthy that there was something missing about us. And I'm wondering if we just just close our eyes here for a little minute and see what Jesus wants to do. Because we all have our... For all of us, there's, there's, there's areas of our lives where we just kind of, at times, may not feel real connected to Jesus, okay? Like that little boy, like, oh, no, oh, no, what's missing? Oh, no, I need to figure this out. Oh, no, what's wrong with me? So I'm just going to encourage all of you to become aware right now in this place of Jesus being right there next to you. Being right there with you, saying to you, there is nothing about you that is not enough for me. Anything about you that you feel like you might like to hide from me, I love and adore. You don't have to try and be anything else but who you are. Because you are my idea to begin with. I understand. I know. Every moment of your life I've been there with you. Why don't we ask him, Jesus, is there an area of my life where I have believed you haven't wanted to be with me? Why did I believe that? And show me how you've been with me. Is there a new truth you want to give me in exchange? for my old understanding. Help me let it in deeper. And would you show me something about myself that I've never known before? Holy Spirit comforter, would you just come with your great comfort, your sweet tenderness, and be everything to our hearts that we need you to be right now. Thank you, Lord, that you know how to love us You know how to love us. You know how to love us. And thank you for the revelation you're giving some of us that your love is so much bigger, stronger, more capable, more ever-present than we've ever yet believed, than we've ever yet experienced. And there will never be an end to coming to know. How very complete, total, all-sufficient his love is for you. So, those of you who are parents, it is time to go downstairs and pick up your kid.